So I have this kind of strange thing that um, once I get to know people, I start to think in my head, what would good funeral readings be for that person? Um, yes, I know it's a little strange, but I can't help it. I do it all the time. And um, today's gospel reading uh, fits this guy who was a deacon at uh, my previous parish. Great guy. But if he dies, the wedding at Cana gospel is what I want for his funeral. And it sounds strange, but let me explain it. Because um, like at Holy Apostles, we had all these deacons. Because I was one priest and the parish was literally 10 times the size of this parish. So I relied on my deacons and they were really great. But, you know, every, they all had different gifts. All great. But like one Bill, oh, he's amazing. Bill, um, he was the deacon of compassion. Because if you were sick and dying, he was just gifted among those people. He was literally at the hospital every single day. I mean, that was his gift. Uh, another one, Shaq, loved working with Shaq. But Shaq was a um, former Marine drill sergeant. Um, and so Shaq, um, like Bill was a deacon of compassion, but Shaq, he was an intense worker. He gave 110. And if there is something really terrible that nobody wanted to do, guess who would do it? Shaq. Like, he'd said, he's the deacon of the cross. He will, it doesn't matter how painful something is, he will get it done. The only problem is he's still kind of Marine drill sergeant. So, um, like, you get a lot of crazy people in religion, no offense. But, um, so, if you have a crazy situation, you don't really want Deacon Shaq, not that he's not nice, but he has this nonverbal way of, let's say your life is messed up and you come in, he has this nonverbal way of giving the kind of cue of, get your life together, which doesn't help. Um, so, like, in the really crazy situations, who you want to trust is, or send in, is this deacon named John Lee. Uh, John Lee, he's the deacon of love. So, with a friend of mine, we used to joke, and my nickname for him was Love Deacon. Because it's all about love with John, John Lee. Doesn't matter how messed up you are, you will feel loved. Doesn't matter how crazy the situation, whatever the decision He'll make it based on love. But the odd part is, what a bizarre life he had. Because I don't think he had a best upbringing, but at age 13, 13, he struck out on his own and left home and went to California. Clearly some problems there, but what 13-year-old says, I'm done with this, I'm on my own? <laughs> and John Lee was just kind of this rebel for most of his life. And then he became a biker, and he had two Harleys. And, um, you know, he's a little bit of a rebel. Um, and then he marries this Irish woman that straightened him out right away. Um, and uh, anyhow, so her name is Midge. And Midge, uh, she had left the Catholic Church, just stopped practicing. She came back, really. The ones that come back to the Catholic Church are often the ones most on fire. And so when she came back to the Catholic Church, John, always a rebel, you can't control him, he told her, he said, you know, he's against organized religion. 
because all they try and do is control you. And he says, you can go into the Catholic Church, but I swear to God, I will never step foot in that church. Um, but, you know, after a couple years, it, Midge, her religion brings a lot of love and joy. And then he met many other parishioners. Um, and this sounds kind of strange. He kind of fell in love with the parishioners because there was a lot of joy. And he had to come to this conclusion that religion really is not, or good religion, is not trying to control you. Religion is this expression of love. And at that point, he's on board. So he becomes Catholic. And then after a couple years, he becomes a deacon. And so the joke is, really, I, I thought you said you'd never step foot in the Catholic Church. Um, and now he's the love deacon. So my point being is that why I would choose that reading for Deacon John is the Wedding of Cana's story. I'm going to tell you the point. Religion is this wedding between us and God. Religion is not about trying to control you. Religion is trying to turn us into great lovers. That we, the wedding of Cana's story, is that religion is a wedding between us and God. Sounds strange, but think about this. The Bible starts with a wedding. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, their wedding is symbolized by religion. That religion is this wedding between us and each other, and the wedding between us and God, but then it was lost. So if you look in the middle part, uh, the prophets speak that one day the wedding will start again. One day the Christ will come and marry us. So like the first reading from Isaiah where it says, your builder will marry you. As a young groom takes bride, your, your builder will marry you. When the Christ comes, he will marry you. Um, you know, and then you'll hear the words, my delight, my beloved. Um, so the prophecy is that when the Christ comes, we'll get, we will be wed. And the first sign that the wedding is taking place is this overflow of wine. So the first reading is about this wedding that will take place. And the first sign is this overflow of wine. So if you get to like the wedding of Cana, what's the, John calls it the first sign. What's the first sign and that the wedding is about to happen? An overflow of wine. And so just to break it down, you have water and wine. And the water in the stone jars and the sticks stone jars that actually symbolizes bland religion. That religion, it was about rules and regulations. Um, it's tasteless, it's bland, you know, keep you alive, but it's boring. Um, so that's, and when it says they have no wine, wine is a, sim, is a marriage symbol that we're wedding. So when Mary says they have no wine, she's not just speaking that they ran out of wine. She's speaking about religion. Religion has no wine. It's just rules and regulations. The other thing you have to remember is that um, in ancient weddings, the one who provided all the wine was the groom. Now, this is a poor couple. So if a groom has, and the, by the way, the wedding reception, the wedding party, it lasts eight days. So you need a lot of wine. So if I was a groom, what you do is have guests your guests who show up, your wedding gift would be wine. But they're a poor couple. And 
at the beginning of the wedding, they've already run out of wine. Um, so, like, just have to warn you, Jesus is the true groom. And when his wedding starts, he'll provide all the wine, except for him to provide the wine, he has to die. How he's going to provide the wine is, think about it, like the Last Supper and the cross, his side is pierced in water and um, blood flood. The wine of the Eucharist, the wedding wine for us is the Eucharist, and it's been flowing for 2,000 years. But this poor couple at their wedding, they don't have enough wine. So Mary says they have no wine. What she means by that is two things. The couple has no wine, but also she means get the party started. The prophecy was that when the Christ comes, ah, the wedding will take place. When she says they have no wine, it's actually code for start the great wedding feast. And that kind of explains Jesus' odd response where he says, woman, uh, in the Greek, it's how does this concern me? Woman, how does this concern me? It is not my hour. That's a really bizarre phrase. And even as a kid, even as a kid, I was sitting at mass when I first heard that and thought, well, that sounds kind of rude to your own mother. Like, I, I love my mother. Why would you say, woman, how does your concern affect me? It's not my hour. And so I imagine myself, like my mother saying, clean your room. And me saying, woman, how does your concern affect me? It is not my hour. I guarantee you, it would be my hour right then and there. Um, now, I'm not going to explain that whole thing. Actually, he's not being rude. But I'd have to explain the Aramaic. He's not being rude. But the key phrase is, it's not my hour. So here's a question. Because you'll get this over and over in the gospel. It's not his hour. It's not his hour. When does Christ say, it is my hour now? Anybody know? Good job, yeah. Um, good job. And it's surprising, it was this side. Um, yeah, it's um, his passion. At the Last Supper and the cross. When he's on the cross at the, pa at the Last Supper, this is my hour. The hour when the wine flows is actually the, the Eucharist. The cross. That's the wedding feast. The hour is when we get wedded to God. So, uh, anyhow, that's what we celebrate. Now, here's the really amazing part. Did you know that baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, it's a huge wedding. Baptism is a wedding. But Darcy, today is actually going to be wed to God. And, and let me explain this. So you're thinking, what? Because think about this. In ancient Judaism, how you'd start a wedding is first there's this ritual bath, and then you get this white garment. And the white garment is called a katoon. It's what I'm wearing underneath this. Um, it's what she's about to wear. And the day that you get married in ancient Judaism, you get a, a ritual bath, then, sorry, uh, this white garment. Then you get to wear a crown. And then you're anointed. And then um, the wedding ritual starts with the groom offering the bride a glass of wine. If you drink that glass of wine, we're in the first stage of marriage. And if you think about that, all that happens in the sacraments this morning. 
she's going to start her wedding with being baptized and receiving a wedding dress. That's what the white garment is. Confirmation. Confirmation is you being anointed. And did you notice in the first, first reading where God says, uh, you'll take a new name. On your wedding day, you're allowed a new name. Uh, that's confirmation, part of confirmation. Or the Eucharist. The Eucharist, every time we come back here, week after week, we're renewing our wedding vows to God. So Christ the Last Supper, this sounds strange. Christ the Last Supper, if you read the Greek, guess what Christ is wearing at the Last Supper and to the cross? He's wearing something. What do you think he's wearing? He has a wedding theme. Okay, she got it. Okay, you get to sit up front because the rest of you, they're a little slow. He's wearing a cartoon. And you think, what? Why is Jesus wearing a cartoon at the Last Supper? A wedding dress. And he's wearing a crown, the crown of thorns. It's a wedding. The Eucharist is a wedding. Baptism confirmation, it's a wedding. We come back week after week after week to renew that we are wedded to love itself. Our life is supposed to be this love affair with God. That's a true overflow of wine. Um, that's what religion is. Religion is not saying, we're going to try and control you. Religion is, it's kind of like John Lee, where John Lee thought religion was about control. But then when he met Catholics, he was impressed, like, these people love. And that's what we do week after week to renew our vows of love. This is Darcy's uh, first wedding day where she be met, married uh, to God. And if you notice in back, her parents and godparents, they made a vow that they would teach her how to love with all her, uh, God and her neighbor. Um, that's what religion is. And so my only hope is that for all of us, the same way John Lee, the rebel, you can't be controlled, which, no offense, a lot of people in Coeur d'Alene who aren't religious always say, organized religion is just trying to control you. I hope they meet St. Pius, same way John did. Meet St. Pius and realize, nah, religion is this love affair with God and other people. And each week we renew our, our wedding vows, um, really. It's not John who's the love deacon. My hope is that really all of St. Pius, what people learn is that we are the deacon of love. We're the ones who show that religion is this wedding of love. So if you still want Darcy baptized, please come forward with your uh, godparents and let us stand and pray for this child. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially. Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comment section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.